Welcome to the second episode of the Unperfect Podcast, where another of my kids' funny stories leads to some great content, a launching pad for some serious talk about comparing ourselves to others and what our constant dive into this tempting arena might just be revealing about our opinion of God. I'm your host, Shelley Sneed, and it's my desire to help others see glimpses of God's glory among the imperfections of their lives. If you have ever struggled with measuring up to an unattainable standard or have wondered where is God in the midst of less than perfect circumstances, you are not alone. Hope and maybe a little bit of humor are on the horizon. Hey guys, today is the first in a two-part series on the comparison trap. And I'm going to start off today by telling you a little bit about my daughter. My daughter is Rwandan-American. She was born in the beautiful city of Kigali, Rwanda, and her skin is absolutely gorgeous in color and smoothness. Now, I, on the other hand, was born in Fort Worth, Texas. My parents are natives of Oklahoma and Louisiana, so as you can imagine, if my southern drawl didn't give it away already, my skin is quite white, or peach, as my daughter called it when she was little. She and I would have some very funny conversations about our skin, too. Like one day after hanging out with our sweet little neighbor, my daughter said, Mom, do you think she knows I'm adopted? I just love the innocence and the attachment that that question displayed. But on another occasion, she and I were talking about heaven, and she asked me, Mom, will we get new bodies in heaven? And I answered her, Yes, honey, the Bible says we will. Now, I was thinking no more pain, no more weakness, no more disease, but apparently she wasn't because she came back with this question, is mine going to be peach? It was so hilarious to me. I don't remember my response, but I'm sure it was to assure her of the beauty of her skin and that God described heaven as a wondrously diverse place. But I think there's always been a little comparison going on there for her since our circumstances are so different from other moms and daughters, and even more so than with my youngest son, who's also African-American. So I think it's probably a good indicator that we females really struggle with this comparison trap. And I'm learning that it's something that rears its ugly head in my life almost invisibly when I don't even realize it's happening. Merriam-Webster defines comparison in this way, to examine the character or qualities of especially in order to discover resemblances or differences. And I thought that was a fascinating insight. When we compare ourselves to others, we're actually examining the character qualities of someone else, especially in order to discover how we resemble them or how we're different from them. Now, if we were truly looking at another's character qualities to see how we measure up, it has the potential to be a beneficial process. If we're thinking things like, My friend Joy is amazing at noticing needs in others before they even speak them. I'm not so good at this. I like to be more like her. Or, my friend Thomas spends so much time reading and meditating, memorizing scripture. She literally quotes scripture in every paragraph of every conversation we have. Wow, I want to be more like that. But sadly, that is not usually how our comparisons go down, right? We tend to compare things that, A, we have very little control over in our own lives, which just leads to discontentment, basically saying, God, I don't approve of what you did here. Or B, we assume things about another person we have no clue are even true. And in this case, we're making ourselves the judge, which we weren't really called to do. And this causes resentment. So today, at the beginning of this series, we're going to be looking at some of the top things we tend to compare 
Um, I'll be talking about how I'm learning to combat these traps and what scripture says to encourage us or to convict us if needed. So I hope you'll find some new motivations and practical tips for ditching this comparison ritual. And make sure you tune into the next episode to hear the rest. So let's dive into the first four comparison traps we often face. The first one is outward appearance. So think clothing, hair, makeup, fitness. Now, I have long since stopped comparing myself to celebs because let's just be honest, they can probably afford to hire folks to cook them amazing healthy menus, train their bodies into perfect shape, and I'm guessing they can even pay someone to slap that slice of pizza right out of their hand. Maybe I should make that one of my kids' chores. When you see mom popping Hershey's Kisses like Xanax, slap those suckers right out of her hand. I'll have to think about that one. But seriously, I am finally learning to focus on health rather than appearance. It's only taken me 51 years to get here. But I don't want to just be around for my grandkids, none of which are in the works yet, by the way. I want to be able to hike with them and play horse with them and jump ocean waves with them like my mom and mother-in-law have done with my kiddos. I also want to be healthy so that I can battle depression when it hits me out of nowhere and manage my underactive thyroid and all kinds of other fun things that come from being human and aging. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm looking inward rather than outward on this one. And basically, I'm only comparing myself to me and the me that I want to be or feel like God's calling me to be. I recently read a really cool quote in an interview with Forbes magazine. Podcaster John Lee Dumas said this, The only person you should compare yourself to is you yesterday. I thought that was really insightful. Another area that we compare a lot in is ministry. And it's so crazy and sounds so unspiritual, but here I am over here doing it like a rock star some days. This could be in the form of comparing my ministry opportunities to the ministry opportunities God has given others, or even the giftings He's given me versus what He's given someone else. Rick Warren explains it like this, Gift envy occurs when we compare our gifts to others, feel dissatisfied with what God gave us, and become resentful or jealous of how God uses others. Ouch. I can definitely relate to gift envy. 1 Corinthians 12, 16 through 18, this is a passage of scripture we're all pretty familiar with. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, if God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So this can basically be boiled down to, do I really believe God or not? Because he says right there in scripture, he has gifted everyone in the body including me, to perform the tasks He wants them to perform. So I am perfectly gifted and equipped to carry out a specific function in the body of Christ that only I can carry out. If I truly believe that, why on earth would I want what He gave someone else? Again, it comes down to do I believe God or not? Now, another area that we tend to compare a lot in is marriage. How many times have you ever looked at someone else's spouse or marriage and thought, if only mine were that helpful or supportive or kind or fill in the blank with what it appears is happening over there, but not at my house? Y'all, a lot of people marry their opposite, but my husband and I married our polar opposites. 
I kid you not, my mother-in-law, who's ministered to a lot of couples in her day, has even said she's never seen two people more opposite than Art and I. So naturally, we've had some intense battles in the last 28 years that I won't get into here because we're going to have a fun episode later with another couple of friends who's experienced some similar struggles. But I will say this. We were in a small group for young married couples when we first got married, and I remember thinking, wow, everyone in here has a perfect marriage except us. What did we do wrong? I now know that's not true. We've all struggled with communication or depression or opposite personalities or relationships with in-laws or extended family members. And in hindsight, most of us in that class were pretty jacked up. We just don't tend to publicize those facts. And I mentioned in the last episode about having a tribe, biblical community, where you can weather hard places like the strains that come up naturally in marriage. It's so important to know we're not alone in this, that the grass is truly only greener where we are watering it. So another place that we tend to compare is in our personalities and abilities. And I've put these in the same category because interestingly, there are parts of both of these that are natural God-given and parts of both that I can work on improving. For example, there are parts of my personality that I have control over. I can learn to control my words, at least I can a little. God's word says in James 3 that no one can tame the tongue. But since he challenges us in Proverbs that he who holds his tongue is wise, I'm going to believe there's still hope for me. I can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, be more loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. Galatians 5.23 says so. And I should absolutely work toward this. I can also hone in on my God-given abilities and make them more effective and stronger, whether that's through training or classes or practice or whatever. However, there are parts of my personality and abilities that God put there on purpose to love a dying world in a way that no one else can. My ability to talk to a stranger, my lack of caring who sees me dancing in the store or in the car pickup line, my talents, my passions, most of these things I was just born with, and I believe were divinely inspired. And for me to wish that I had someone else's is just another way of saying, God, you don't really know what you're doing after all. And I try not to have that posture with the Almighty God who, Job 38 tells me, marked off the very dimensions of the earth, said to the waves, this far you may come and no farther, and literally brings out the constellations in their seasons. Yeah, he probably knows what he's doing with me after all. In Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, Jesus tells this famous parable of the talents. So most of us have read this before. We know that one servant was given five talents, one, two talents, and the other one talent. And can we just stop right here and acknowledge a fact that doesn't sit well in our fair means equal mentality? God is clearly going to give some folks more responsibility, more finances, and more opportunities than others. That's His prerogative. He's God. And until recently, I used to read this passage with a lot of sympathy for the dude who buried his one talent. I mean, he was protecting it, right? But that's not what we're called to do. 
Some of us are in a five-talent season of life. God has blessed us with quite a lot to use for His glory, and you better believe we'll be held accountable for how we invested those talents, those opportunities, those finances. But those of us who are in a one-talent season, maybe we're just treading water over here trying to stay afloat, and God's given us just a tiny little slice of money or gifting or ministry or fill in the blank here. But you know what? we're going to be held to the exact same standard. Did we invest what He entrusted to us for His glory? Or did we bury it all the while whining about all He gave to someone else? In the next episode, we'll be talking about a few more areas of comparison. But I want us to consider a very poignant question. We need to be asking ourselves every single time comparison rears its ugly head. And it's this. How tragic would it be to get to the end of my life and realize I spent it chasing down someone else's? Let me say that again. Write this down. Put it up where you can see it often. How tragic would it be to get to the end of my life and realize I spent it chasing down someone else's? God has given you a life specific to His calling on it. And my prayer is that you will spend your energy chasing it down, ignoring the whispers of potential comparisons all around you, but tuning in to the one voice that matters, and that's His. I hope you'll tune in next week for the continuation of this topic and because I'm going to be offering a freebie for you to help you walk through God's Word this summer. Two of my favorite things there, freebies and the Word of God. I can't wait. Also, if you were challenged, blessed, or humored by today's episode, would you please be so kind as to leave a quick rating and review? It will help other unperfect people like us find this podcast. On Apple Podcasts, go back to the Unperfect Podcast page that lists the episodes and scroll to the bottom to find this review and rating place. And on Spotify, it's right there, easy to find. I haven't had time to research the other platforms, but I'm guessing if you made it this far, you got this. Or, you know, a teenager who can help. Check out the show notes for a list of scriptures and quotes you heard today, as well as a link to my website, www.un-perfect.net, where you will find a blog on similar topics and musings. There's also a link there to subscribe so you can receive an email in your inbox each week when a new podcast or blog post comes out. I'm praying you have a blessed week and are able to see glimpses of glory in the now and the not yet of your unperfect life. See you next time.